0: We have a lot of respect for people who practice different religions, and our purpose with this podcast is to simply identify and deconstruct problematic evangelical ideologies.
1: Oh, hi there. I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology?
0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Ideology. Today, Candace and I are talking about Connie Comes to Town, which originally aired December 1987. And do you want to give a synopsis of
1: it, Candace, or? Sure. So this is the first time we meet Connie. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Yes.
0: Because
1: Connie's the best until she converts and then she kind of just becomes a. A reinforcer of the status quo. Christian, well, conservative status quo. I found this Adventures in Odyssey wiki, and there is a summary, and it's like two sentences, so I'm just going to read it. And I think that's a good jumping off point. Great. Wit's End is packed with so many customers that Wit can't handle it by himself. Fortunately, a young girl by the name of Connie Kendall comes to work for him while she tries to earn some money to return home to California. That's basically the gist of the episode. Um, And by working to earn some money, she causes all these problems.
0: Being a woman
1: and having to take care of men's feelings, emotional well-being. Yeah. <laughs> we open on a very busy Wits end. He someone has just ordered a milkshake, he gets a phone call about teaching Sunday school, and Tom comes in to unload ice cream and Amanda and Bobby Have just had a fight. Right. And he's kind of trying to do all these things at the same time. And it has like a classic Adventures in Odyssey muddled conversation where the person on the phone, he's trying to talk to too many people. Yeah. He keeps inserting things into the wrong conversation so as to make for humorous interactions.
0: So, for example, Tom asks where he should put the ice cream and Wit says, the Mount of Transfiguration. And talk. Which is
1: what he's going to teach at Sunday school. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because was, she was asking him then which book of the Bible he was going to teach out of. And he was like, You can take your pick Matthew, Mark, Freddie, which is the person who wants him to get a milkshake for him. And she's like, He's like, Oh no, not Freddie. Not for you, Marion. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then he gets Tom to make the milkshake for Freddy while he deals with the conflict between Amanda and Bobby about the Bible bowl. Bobby basically told Amanda that the Bible bowl is dumb. Right. And Amanda is offended by that. Oh, yeah. He's like, I don't have any new ideas. I'm just sick of the old ones. Which then wit translates into, like, oh, I understand. You just have a sense of adventure go. okay great
0: because i wanted to jump back a little bit to the fact that this becomes a very common example of someone in ministry they're they're too busy to do the little jobs making the ice cream because they have more lofty and important things to do peacekeeping right so, like, at churches where it's, like, the pastors are, like, well, I don't clean the toilets or whatever and, like, refuse to do other things because they have more important jobs to do. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That Wit was, like, well, I'll go deal with this instead of, you know, getting Tom to deal with it or, like,
1: something. Getting them to wait. Or getting them to wait.
0: Exactly. Anyway, I thought, also. That,
1: yeah. Also, the fact that Bobby is not really that into the Bible Bowl anymore does not seem like an emergency.
0: Exactly, especially with the amount of kids that it sounded like were waiting for to order ice cream.
1: Okay, Tom is like, uh, "You need to hire someone to help here," and what's like, "I'm trying," and then he goes to help this conflict right. with Amanda and Bobby. Right. And somehow turns Bobby's frustration with the way things are, he identifies that as Bobby, oh, you have a sense of adventure. You want to do something exciting. And he says, excitement could be waiting for you on the other side of that door. Cue (laughs) Connie. Here she comes, searching for Front Street because she's looking for a job. She wants to apply to be a clerk at a clothing store. Is it a God thing? I think so. (laughs) Um, So she asks where Front Street is, and we find out that she wants to go there because she wants to apply for this job as a store clerk. And then Wit basically interrogates her and finds out a bunch of information from her, like where she is, what her background experience is. She's been a waitress. And she he finds out that she's from LA and she just wants a job so she can make a little bit of money to buy a bus ticket back to LA. So he recruits her. He's like, don't worry about that job. Just go pick up a uniform for this job uh, and you can start right away. She's like, you're offering me a job, but you don't know anything about me. He's like, well, I know your background and your work history. And is there something I've missed? And she's like, no and i get the feeling there isn't much you do miss which was just like a really gross kind of masturbatory (laughs) insertion Uh, but again to remind us that wit is all-seeing and all-knowing
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had that written down also, but because it's just so gross.
1: Yes, she, as a complete stranger, is aware of how insightful he is already.
0: Is already hero-worshipping him.
1: So, Wit owns and runs Wit's End. He is a Christian. Therefore, is this a Christian organization? By that, I mean, should we think about it in the same way as, like, a church. I want to say Scott's Parables, right? But it's not that anymore. But you know, like Kennedy's a Christian parables. bookstore, right? Yeah, yeah, a Christian bookstore. But I, because I think it's open to the community, but it seems like mostly church kids hang out there. Although, like maybe some other kids, but
0: yeah. Well, because even I mean, the Bible Bowl obviously would be church kids. But it's like, and so and so from the Christian school.
1: But that seems like it's an event that that's is maybe true. hosted by wit's end. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've always kind of viewed it as just
0: like a Christian organization, but maybe the whole, his whole point is that he doesn't want it to be a Christian organization so that he can do evangelism
1: within the organization
0: right. to the youth.
1: Because then I was just, if it's like a Scott's Kennedy's parables type situation. Yep. They would never hire someone who wasn't a Christian. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that is a prerequisite. Right. It's different in this case because he is literally the only employee. Right. So far. Right. I think.
0: So he can kind of do what he wants.
1: Wait, there was like a Jimmy in the first in the oh, yeah. episode with his son, his grandson. But because I was just wondering, like, if you were non-Christian and you were hired at a Christian organization... Would you feel very comfortable? So
0: that's an interesting question, because I've also heard stories of being within the Christian community over the years of a non-Christian worship leader being hired at a church to lead worship because he had musical ability and no one at the church had musical ability. And so they brought him in, but he wasn't a Christian. And he ended up becoming a Christian, I think. Later, which is like you know the redeeming factor of it, but it's like the scandalous bit of of that thought is like, would you hire a non-Christian to lead your worship, or clean your floors, or whatever? Like right, within a church, right. like where is the line?
1: Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little different in this situation, but right, I just had that thought. Because it is kind of like he has a library and he has, I just wondered about like Scott's parables, like they wouldn't hire someone who's not a Christian. Right, exactly. Or maybe just people who aren't Christians don't apply there because. Maybe. You know. Yeah. Like if a Christian, if a non-Christian applied there, would they even hire them? Yeah.
0: I know. I um doubt it. At the church I used to work at, they didn't put out, um. That they were looking for a new person when I quit when I gave my notice because of the fear of discrimin like of being being called on their discrimination, basically. It was like they didn't want to get a non-Christian, but they didn't want to say that they wouldn't get a non-Christian. Cause if they did, then it could be a whole big thing. And so they just like left feelers out for people in the church.
1: So it was all by word of mouth then. Exactly. Like, psst. Hey, we're yeah. looking for someone to do this job, but we can't be very public about it yeah. because we're so persecuted. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Anyway, that's kind of a side, aside, side bar, part. but yeah. I just, yeah. Interesting. Connie takes the job. Yes. Connie is hired. Bobby of the I'm bored with the Bible bowl conflict takes her to get her uniform. And basically he just is hero-worshipping her the whole way. Like, he's so interested in her because she's from Los Angeles. He asks her if she's bored in Odyssey. My favorite line, and I don't know
0: why this has stuck with me my entire life, but my favorite line is, I'm, I have a friend who's neighbors with the guy who cleans Don Johnson's pool. Which is like, you know, the coolest thing, the closest thing to being a celebrity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that stuck with me. So they talk about being bored and Connie's like, I've never been bored in my life until when I moved here. And he's like, I know what you mean. All we ever do around here is have Bible Bowl. Another weird thing about this town. Is it a small town or is it a cult? (laughs) 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 If the only thing you do around your town is Bible Bowl, it might be a cult. And we find out that Bible Bowl is Christian trivia night. Right. And then Connie's like, oh, Mr. Whitaker's into religion? Now that I know that, I really do need to get back to Los Angeles. I'm like, yes, you do, Connie. Run. Run. Save yourself. Bobby decides he wants to go with her to protect her. Right. Bobby is much younger than her. He is 12. And we think Connie is 15 or 16. So he is concerned about her safety if she goes to LA by herself. So she needs a man to come and protect her. And he invites himself to come with her. And while they're having that conversation, she kind of brushes it off because they get to the department store and she doesn't really say, yeah, come with me or no, don't come with me. It just kind of ends. And he takes that to be an, an enthusiastic invitation from her.
0: Yeah, he, I think in her mind, it was, oh, this is an uncomfortable conversation. I don't know what to say to him. Oh, look, it's the department store. We're here. Great. Now I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally, you know, the best way to deal with it at the time. It's a kid that you've never met before. What else do you see?
1: Yeah. A complete stranger is inviting themselves to come with you. Yeah. Yeah. Across the country. Weird. So later, it's the end of one of her shifts much later. Right. And, like, it's been a couple weeks. Right. They, don't, they don't
0: clarify, Just you can tell the time how passes. How long.
1: Yeah. You know that she almost has enough money to buy a bus ticket right. to go back to California. And so Wit and Connie are talking. wit tells her the freezer needs defrosting, but it can probably wait till tomorrow. And he says, you almost have enough money for a ticket back to California. And Connie says, I'm going to miss this place. And Wit says, I'm just going to do the back and forth. <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah, I didn't write down as much notes as you did.
1: Witt says, the kids have taken quite a shine to you, especially Bobby. How does your mom feel about you going to L.A.? And Connie admits that she hasn't told her and she's not going to. So Witt's like, won't she worry? Um, And Connie's like, I'll leave a note. I'm not totally rude. Oh, yeah. To which Witt chuckles. Ha, ha, ha. Don't you think she'll be hurt when she finds out you're gone? And Connie says, I know what you're doing. You're trying to make me feel guilty. Yep. Which he is. A hundred percent. And Witt says, you should talk about it with your mother. Which she should, to be fair. Yeah. I agree with that. And then he says... Don't you know what could happen to you all by yourself in a big city like that? Here's the second instance of the protective patriarchy. Stepping in to try and protect the vulnerable woman from having any independence.
0: Because the real world is scary.
1: Yeah, and dangerous for women. But somehow it's okay for 12-year-old boys, because they've got... They're men. They're they're male. (laughs) yeah. I was going to say something, but I thought it was probably not a good idea to, like, talk about genitals of children on our podcast. Right. sounds That's fair. hmm
0: I guess that's a line.
1: It's a line that we will not cross. Yeah. And hopefully this will just be edited out, Stephen. So Connie says, I came here to earn money, not to get lectured. And Wit says, it's dangerous. And Connie says, oh, I can get that freezer cleaned out. Before quitting time, (laughs) bye. She basically just ends the conversation. Good for her. Yeah. Because he's giving her tons of unsolicited advice. She told him when she started, this is what I'm going to do. It's not his job as her employer to make sure she talks to her mom about it. He said, hey, maybe you should talk to your mom about it. And that's really all he can do. Right. Exactly. And then we find out that Bobby was there the whole time. Right. Sitting there.
0: So she's setting clear boundaries, saying, this is not any of your business. This is inappropriate for you to talk to me about this. And it's interesting because within the Christian community, anytime you have a reaction to, at least my experience has been anytime you have a reaction to a male speaking into your life, it's because you're convicted. Mm -hmm. that has been you're convicted and you're feeling guilty and that's why you're reacting and that's the only reason you could ever be reacting to a male who is speaking into your life and that was my experience a lot at Bible college
1: I feel like that is the interpretation of this you're right like if you are a Christian listening to this that is what's supposed to be your takeaway yeah from outside of that perspective, she's just setting a clear boundary and he's being inappropriate. Yeah. So we find out Bobby was there the whole time. And Bobby and Wit have a conversation where he says, are you angry at her? Are you going to fire her? And Wit says, no, I'm not angry. I'm concerned. And Bobby's like, oh, yeah, I know. I get it. She, you're worried that she'll get hurt if she goes by herself. But you don't need to worry about that because I'm going to protect her in LA. I talked it over with her and I'm going with her. And then Whit's like, what? And then the scene ends. (laughs) Uh We start the next scene with Mr. Whitaker saying to Connie, you've got a problem. Something serious. Bobby is planning to go with you to, to California. And he said it was all right with you. Okay. This highlights a, a lot of things. First of all, Wit has set himself up to be a mentor, but he kind of picks and chooses when that will be because when Bobby said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to LA with Connie," that would have been a good time to say, "Hey, I know what you're feeling. You're young, you like her, you think you think this is the adventure that you're looking for, but you know, I don't think she feels the same way about you and This probably isn't a good idea. And that would actually be a good time for him to speak into someone's life. But instead, he's like, oh, Connie, you've got a problem. Yeah. And he puts it all on to her because it is her job to care for the males around her. Yeah, he dumps it right onto her lap. Then Connie's like, I never said that because she didn't. Right. So he has completely misunderstood her and somehow that's her problem. And it's like, so you didn't say he should go. And she's like, I didn't say anything one way or another. It's not like it's any of my business. Reasonable.
0: Yeah. Again, Connie is the voice of reason here. She's the one with clear boundaries. She's the one that knows what she's talking about. She knows what her boundaries are. Uh, And Wit is the one going... You're a woman. You're not allowed to have boundaries.
1: Because she's a sinful woman of the world. Exactly. So then Wit says to her, Bobby is very easily influenced. Hey, Wit, if Bobby is so easily influenced, maybe you should have tried to influence him when you had him alone and you were talking about him going to L.A. with Connie. Literally. There was so much
0: opportunity for him, yeah, for him to just... Resolved the situation before it became a situation. Because really, essentially, they're both kids. Yeah.
1: Connie's a kid. Bobby's a kid. Saying, Connie, you, as an older kid, are responsible for his well-being, that's not fair. Then Wit says Bobby has a crush on you, so he's especially influenced by you. Um, and this is what I wanted to ask you. If someone is influenced by you just existing, going about your daily life, and having goals... What is your obligation to them? I feel
0: like nothing, (laughs) but that
1: in this context, that seems like the wrong answer. I don't think you have an obligation. Uh, I mean, I think maybe it depends. Yeah. Right. Is it your children? Is it your spouse? Right. Is it some guy that has a crush on you that follows you around? Really, I don't think it's her problem. No,
0: it shouldn't be, but it, it is put onto her.
1: Yeah, okay, so then Wit says, the crush isn't your fault, and it doesn't have to be a big deal, not as long as you handle it right. He's basically grooming her for the female Christian role of placating men. Totally. And she says, why should I handle it at all, which is the correct response in this situation. Again, she's
0: the voice of reason.
1: I just wanted to earn money and go, which she's been very transparent about the entire time. And he says, what, just do your own thing and be on your way. Is that it? And he's like so indignant. At this point, he starts yelling. And in the meantime, Bobby makes one of the biggest mistakes of his life because you've got him all starry-eyed about California. So again, somehow it's her fault. When we established in the opening scene before she even arrived that he was craving some kind of adventure, it's on him. He's looking for something. She came along and he just happened to latch onto her. It's not her fault. So then Connie says, if he got starry-eyed, it's not because I. And then she's interrupted by wit. He cuts her off. Oh, I
0: didn't even notice yelling
1: at her. Mm -hmm. If you're a 15-year-old working for a 60-year-old man and he just starts yelling at you, are you going to stick around for this conversation? I don't know. Um, So he's yelling at her. It doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. Every time you come in contact with another human being, something happens. Neither one of you is ever quite the same again. And Connie says, so every time I pass someone on the street, I'm responsible for the rest of their life. Which is basically what he's saying. Pretty much. And he's like, of course not. (laughs) And then she said... But that is what he said. Yeah. But you can't drift through life thinking you're not going to influence anybody. God made us dependent on other people and wants us to feel some responsibility for each other. To which she replies... I'm not really into God, so it doesn't make much difference to me what he wants. Right. Again, very valid. She knows who she is. Also, I thought it was interesting how they frame this. The premise is that God is there and everyone knows that God is there. And some people choose to pray and be into God and some people are not into God. But there's no, you know. Right.
0: Right. There's no discussion about the validity of
1: God. So she's just, she's not into God, but right. obviously there is a God. Um, and Wit says, well, then think about it. It's common sense. What kind of world would we have if nobody cares about anyone else? To
0: which Connie replies, well, who's going to care about me? Uh, which also is kind of a valid point. Realistically, other people aren't really looking out for you.
1: No, except her mom.
0: Right. And, you know, if you stretch it, Wit is in this situation.
1: Well, he's trying to make her think he is. Exactly.
0: But it is more of the training her
1: to, you know, put men's needs before her own. Exactly. So then he says, why, why don't you think people are going to look out for you? There are people all around you that can't wait to care about you. But caring is risky business. Sometimes the people you care about really let you down. Bobby is going to have to learn that lesson now because of you thanks to again blaming her and so my thought was is this different than saying you made him rape you by wearing those clothes right right? like is this not kind of a rape culture you're asking for it yep argument
0: yeah I didn't even think about it that way but there's definitely a lot of parallels and overlap.
1: You expressed an idea of what you wanted to do, and now you're responsible for his response to that. Right. What?
0: Entirely her responsibility. Everything becomes her responsibility. The man is really just the victim (laughs) somehow in the situation. I'm a little bit like just what?
1: <laughs> Did I blow your mind?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, man. I'm also um, kind of having flashbacks to Bible college. Okay, I went to a very small Bible college. There wasn't a lot of selection. And
1: in terms of like, a potential a mate, potential teammate. mate, yes,
0: there was like,
1: <laughs> Bridal seven college.
0: girls and like 13 guys. And, you know, some some a couple people paired off and whatever. But I did have a few of the guys over the years approach me, or approach someone else and say, "Caris and I are going to get married."
1: God told me. Can I just say that is like one of the grossest Ugh. things I encountered in Christian culture? Um, that never happened to me. For some reason, no men were, no Christian men were ever interested in me. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but my friend that happened to her too she there was a guy who was like giving her prophecies was oh like this is what god told me he told me we're going to be together here's like a specific prophecy wow super creepy what's uh, spoiler alert they didn't end up together <laughs> uh she's with someone else he's with someone else i don't know i guess god was wrong in that instance right yeah <laughs> So you had, you had people tell you that God wanted you to be together. Yeah. Well, it,
0: usually it came down the grapevine from like the dean because they would go and talk to the dean.
1: Um, I'm sorry. The dean at your school was a matchmaker? <laughs> yeah. Like what kind of school? Well, is, so it was I the, mean, I know what school you went to. Yeah. I'm very familiar with it. So it was. But the, I'm a little horrified by that. The
0: dean, there was a dean of men and a dean of women. So if any of the girls had any issues or problems or anything, they would go to the dean of women, who was married to the dean of men. Um, Anyway, and so if any of the guys had problems and or interests, they would talk to him. And sometimes he would talk to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Okay. First of all, how many times did that happen? second of all, if women had interests, would they go to the dean of women and it would go the other way or it had to be? male-initiated male, male, male initiated.
0: um no I think it went the other way as well but it was more how
1: progressive
0: I know well it was usually uh one women I think are a little more it, uh, in the church are a little more shy to bring up when they're interested in someone uh, this has been my experience anyway Whereas men feel like it's just their God-given right to tell women that they're interested in them.
1: Yeah. They think everything is their God-given right. I mean, that's true. From, based on my experience.
0: Yeah, so it made me not want to be nice to people. Because it was uncomfortable. Because there, there was one point, and this sounds really like, kind of braggy, but I don't mean it to sound that way. But there was one point where there was four guys That were all interested in me, and they would all like. I'd go and I'd sit down in the cafeteria for dinner, and they would all sit around me at the table. And it was so. so Sometimes I would wait because the guys would always let the girls grab food first. You know, partially because guys, the guys ate a lot more, so then they didn't feel like they had to limit what they were eating. So then they're like, "Well, if everyone has already eaten, I can take three helpings." But so sometimes I would like purposely go down late so that everyone would already be sitting and that I could sit where I wanted to sit without feeling like surrounded.
1: God. I don't think that's bragging. I think you should just be able to like talk about things that happened to you without being like, "Oh, I this might be bragging." It's not.
0: <laughs> Life was so hard for me because everybody liked me.
1: I am so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that I don't know what that feels like because again, I never had. Oh, that's not true. There was there was one Christian guy that was interested in me. Yeah. And I thought we were friends and I was nice to him. And then he was like, What? How could you even think that we were just friends? Because you're not allowed to just be friends with anyone right. in the church. So Was that
0: was that the guy that would call you hey Hottie? Like in high school. Wouldn't he like wouldn't he be like hey hottie? Like going down the hallway?
1: That was Sigmund Brower's nephew.
0: Yes! Yeah. Tying that in. I didn't bring that up just to be like, oh look, life was so hard for me. I had so many guys. Um, but to be like, it was really uncomfortable and it was, I felt like it was my responsibility. So I just was like, well, it's because I'm being nice. So maybe I just need to stop being nice. And instead of that, I just hid in my room a lot. <laughs> it's was like, guys can't come into the girl's dorm. i gonna hang out in the girl's dorm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because also you can't, it's like, you're not allowed to say, no, I'm not interested in you because then you cause them discomfort. Like, you have to somehow worry and worry about that. Like, women, we have to couch things in such placid language, calmly and gently. And even then, you never know if you're going to, like, really offend someone, and then that's going to be your fault.
0: Yeah, no, exactly.
1: Um. Okay, so... Wit just blames everything about Bobby's life and his choices up on up to this point on Connie. Even though he had an opportunity to speak into this very easily influenced young man's life and chose not to. Because, you know, that's the teenager, teenage girl who's three years older than him job, not the 60 year old or his parents. So Connie says, well, I'm sorry he's going to get hurt, but what can I do about it if he's made up his mind? And wit says, well, maybe we can unmake it unless you'd rather have a 12-year-old boy to raise. Gross. Whoa.
0: I, yeah, I missed that line.
1: Yeah. That is gross. Because women's, <laughs> I just wrote, that's women's job in all relationships with men. <laughs> church. <laughs> yep.
0: I mean, um, it, that is true, though. Like, if you look at relationships, any relationship within the church yeah mom, uh, Yeah. so he's yeah the wife is expected to also be the mother yeah of the guy
1: yeah it's interesting because things are always framed in terms of like passing the protective mantle from the father to the husband right but really it's passing the protective mantle from the mother to the wife yeah because they're in charge of like looking after their feelings and looking after their food and looking after their bodies and you know really they're the ones doing all the caring and protecting i guess if someone needs to get like stabbed or beat up then you know how often does that happen in our lives anyway they talk big um so then what says i have an idea but it'll cost you something i think it's worth it but that's not my decision to make I think it's worth it because it will spare a young man's feelings and it will stop you from having any independence. So of course it's worth it. But he, but then he is like, Oh, but it's up to you. Uh, well, duh, really? It should be up to her. Why are you even meddling? But also it's like so so
0: manipulative in that, well, I have this idea,
1: but I'm going to let you make the
0: decision, but he's basically made the decision for her.
1: Yeah, well, what's he going to do? How how He's going to be all kinds of judgmental <laughs> if she decides not to do his thing. Cut to the Bible bowl. The moment we've all been waiting for. Bobby's looking for Connie because it's time to leave to go to California. But it turns out Connie is the guest MC. And he, Bobby's like, she can't be MC. She'll miss the bus. Um, she gets Bobby to co-host... And he's like, oh, but you're going to miss the bus. And she's like, oh, there'll be other buses. Um, and then it kind of just, it's the end of the Bible Bowl. The winners are the village Christian school. Connie says, you're pretty good at this. Yeah. Uh,
0: sorry. So back into the Bible Bowl, she's trying to ask questions, but she can't pronounce anything properly. Oh, <laughs> right. So she tries to pronounce Melchizedek. Uh, Mel- Melchiz- Melchizedek. And one of the kids interrupts and helps her. Uh, and so then she asks for a helper, and Bobby ends up being her helper because she can't pronounce Melchizedek or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, and so then after, yeah, and so then it's the end of the Bible. Yeah,
1: Just, like, the most awkward, nerdy group of kids. I don't know if you've met kids from Christian school, but... <laughs> uh yeah
0: or homeschooled christian kids
1: yeah that's like a special see, in my mind in my mind they're on par but homeschooled kids are definitely weirder
0: yeah
1: yeah um but there was probably a homeschooled team at this bible bowl
0: probably I don't
1: know. so connie tells bobby hey you're pretty good at this and it was kind of fun wasn't it um, first of all, as a secular person running a Bible trivia night, do you think they would think it was fun? As a Christian attending Bible trivia night, I didn't think it was fun. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I guess it was fun, but I don't get it. You wanted to leave more than I did. I know. Mr. Whitaker got to you, didn't he? Yes, he did. But Connie's like, no, not exactly. Yes, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends here too I have fun and people like me Bobby's like um I still want to live in California and Connie's like what and leave me here to learn my way around Odyssey alone and that is exploiting the fact that he has a crush on her to make her to make him stay any place you live is what you make it. It's up to you. If, you. if you went to California, you might find out that it's actually better here. And Bobby's like, but I already paid for my ticket. Connie's like, I'll tell you how to get a refund. If you tell me why people in the Bible had such funny names. The end. That's what it like. Yeah. Oh, fade uh, out on a chuckle. Yeah. Those what Bible a- names. Uh, but I, what I wanted to point out is... They still did not address the problem. Right. The problem. It just manipulated Connie and and as such Bobby into staying in Odyssey. Yeah. But this idea or this problem that Connie is somehow responsible for Bobby's actions, that's not addressed. It's not addressed like Connie never explicitly says, look, you can't come with me. Yeah. Or look, you're nice, but I don't like you that way. Yeah. It's just everything is left up in the air, and that's the correct way to handle it because if you said that, that might hurt his feelings.
0: Oh, man. That's so true. And then it becomes the correct way to handle anything is by manipulation.
1: And that's the, yeah, that's exactly what happened in this episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And so then anytime you're met up with a situation like this, don't confront it head on just figure out a subversive way to manipulate
1: yeah because you can't confront men because you have to guard their feelings at all cost right. especially the cost of your own freedom
0: right Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. that one hits hurts <laughs> right in the heart <laughs> sorry <laughs> um and then did you want to talk about the exoplot at all Sure. Uh, there's not really much to say about it other than at the beginning of the episode, Chris brings up this person who learned how to live in contentment, regardless of the situation that he was in. And then says at the end of the, ep- and he, she lists a bunch of things like he had all these shipwrecks and, you know, he, he was lived whipped,
1: he, he was beaten with a stick, stoned. Yeah. And, and not the good kind. <laughs> huh uh and
0: he anyway so she all this stuff about this person and she says stay tuned for the end of the episode for me to tell you who it is and so then at the end of the episode we find out that it's the apostle paul the smarmiest of all church smarms fuck that guy
1: honestly yes he's the worst what's the secret of being content
0: I don't know Did I write that she down? tells
1: us at the end. Okay. Something about
0: serving Jesus.
1: Because he served Jesus with all his might and strength and soul. That's the real secret to being content. Yes. But I'm going to let our listeners in on a different secret that has been backed by science and research. <laughs> um, the secret to being content is to cultivate gratitude for what is in your life. Huh. That's it. Cultivate gratitude And you will be thankful and content for what you have. That's beautiful. Be thankful for what you have, and you will be content in your life and not always looking for other stuff. Um, Or if that seems too hard, then serve Jesus with all your might and strength and soul (laughs) and see see how that one works for you. Actually, if you've tried either of these methods, get in touch with us. I want to hear how did serving Jesus with all of your might and strength and soul um, make you feel? Yeah. How did that work out did for make you? Feel? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: If, if you want to do an experiment, do, you know, a week of each or a day of each and just like record your thoughts and see how if, if you feel any different.
1: Tag us on social media. We want to be a part of every moment of this. We
0: do. It's true. Uh, ideology Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We will see you next time for another Adventures adventure in, in ideology. ideology.
0: We were at the same time on mine, we were delayed on yours. <laughs>